So Money episode 1190, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everybody. It is Friday, April 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and this is Ask Farnoosh, a chance for us to chat, connect. It's my favorite part of the week for sure. Before we get to our questions, just want to you know, discuss a little bit of the week. This week on Monday, we welcomed John Berger onto the podcast. Now, John and I go way back. He and I worked together at Money Magazine when I was an intern and he was a senior editor. Fast forward to today, John has written a couple of books now on the dating phenomenon. And you might think, what does dating have to do with money? Well, John's a numbers guy and his first book uh, looked at the economics of dating and his more recent book, which is called Make Your Move, The New Science of Dating and Why Women Are in Charge, offers some advice on how to navigate the dating world, how to identify your match. We had some interesting conversations, let me tell you. We didn't always see eye to eye on things, but I think you'll appreciate the Discourse. Check out John Berger on Monday. Then on Wednesday, we invited Leslie Zane to the podcast. She is the founder and CEO of Triggers, a brand consulting firm, the first female founded brand consultancy in the country. Leslie, before she even started Triggers, was the brainchild of putting a man for the first time in a commercial featuring a baby product. This was, I think, back in the 90s or early 2000s. It was not received very well in the boardroom, and she takes us to that scene and how she navigated that and ultimately did land that commercial with a male actor. And it went on to be an incredible success. And so the first thing she did was quit that job and start her own company because she has good instincts. And so we talk about branding, the science behind that, starting a business as a woman and at the time also raising children. Her mother, Leslie's mother, was a survivor of the Holocaust. So you can imagine that was a very unique upbringing and the lessons she learned from her mom have forever changed her life. On Thursday, we had a bonus episode in conversation with Canada's most admired CEO, and that was Kirk Simpson, co-founder and CEO of Wave Financial. It's an accounting software business that was recently acquired by H&R Block for over 500 million Canadian dollars. And guess what? Kirk is a college dropout. In fact, dropped out his senior year of college, which to me, it just sounds painful. Like, If I was Kirk's mother, I'd be like, just finish, just finish. You're so close. And that's not Kirk's personality. He left college, much to his parents' chagrin, started a business that failed, started another business, which then went on to become Wave Financial, which then, of course, the rest is history. But his work is not done. And that's what I like about Kirk. He's always got his eye on the next thing. So check out Kirk Simpson on yesterday's So Money podcast. All right, let's go to the mailbag and pick our reviewer of the week. This person will receive a free 15-minute money session with me. Oh, and by the way, 
Apple, if you're an Apple subscriber, has been a little wonky this week with publishing podcasts. I and many other podcasters noticed that there was a delay in publishing the episodes this week. Monday's show went off without a hitch, but then I noticed Wednesday's wasn't there and then Thursday's took a while. So if you are wondering where the Friday episode is, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I hope that Apple by this time has fixed the glitch, but you can always go on something like Spotify or any other podcast player to get this podcast. You can go on iHeartRadio, Stitcher. I know Apple was unveiling subscription model for podcasts this week, so that may have had something to do with the wonkiness, but trying to be patient. Okay, the winner of this week's 15-minute money session with me is Fallon Buckley, who left review on Sunday, calling So Money my favorite podcast. Here's what Fallon said. I started listening to So Money about two years ago after my friends and I discussed the importance of educating ourselves about money. It is now my favorite podcast, and I look forward to Fridays where I can go for a walk after work and listen to Ask Farnoosh. Farnoosh is such a great host who is very down to earth and honest. She makes sure to address relevant and important topics, including equity and justice, while helping her audience become smarter about money. Highly recommend. Fallon, thank you. And and thank you for highlighting uh, that part of my work. It's conscious trying to you know, understand that we're not managing our money in a bubble, that the world is not perfect. And there are lots of external factors, things that happen to us, which are not our fault. And so in that world, in that context, how do you navigate your finances with certainty and confidence and a feeling of calm? A lot of times I know we have someone in the in the audience who left a question for today about how to not get so worked up about her financial goals. So we're going to definitely talk about emotions on this episode, as we probably always do, as it ties in so intimately with money. So Fallon, thanks again for the review. Email me, farnushedsomoneypodcast.com. Let, let me know you left the review, or you can direct message me on Instagram and get in touch. I will follow up with a link where you can select your best time to chat with me, 15 minutes. I look forward to it. So let's go right to the mailbag, shall we? I'm going to just cut to the chase today because it's been a week. And I just want to say, you know, I was obviously happy like most people, unfortunately, I can't say all people, but most people of Chauvin's guilty charge of murder and manslaughter in George Floyd's death. You know, it's uh, a step in the right direction. And the fact that people weren't sure what the verdict was going to be, despite the abundance of evidence and clarity around what happened, we all saw it. It was uncertain as to what the verdict would be. And that I think is very telling. And that is the, that is the takeaway, uh, you know, is that we are still living in a world where unfortunately there is a question mark around what it is to be racist, what it is to be a murderer, even when we see it in plain sight and what our country is willing to do about it. And then of course uh, the killings did not stop. And so it's hard. And I have an article coming out next week on Next Advisor, just continuing my efforts to talk about race and money. And one of the things that I'm highlighting this month is the home ownership gap between white and black Americans. So stay tuned for that coverage next week on Next Advisor. I'll be sharing it here as well. But all right, let's get to the mailbag. 
And our first question is an anonymous listener. And she says, hey, Farnoosh, as a woman of color and a business owner, you've helped me so much with getting my financial life together. Here's my question. When the pandemic hit, I was about $50,000 in debt and that ballooned to over $100,000. My husband lost his job. My hours in my side gig were cut back and I had a medical crisis. I have been aggressive about tackling that debt. I've been marketing my business more. I took a couple of part-time jobs. My husband and I moved in with my parents. I'm almost at the finish line from $100,000 in debt to about $10,000 in less than a year. But now I'm feeling burned out. Paying off this has become an obsession. And I know that the next step for me is to build up that emergency savings. But just thinking about it has me feeling exhausted. How do you go about tackling financial goals while keeping your sanity? Well, I mean, firstly, we got to congratulate this listener, right? Have you celebrated yet? You knocked down $90,000 worth of debt in one year. That is outstanding. So firstly, congratulations. We are all so proud of you. Thank you for sharing and being an inspiration for all of us listening that you can do this. And, you know, it reminds me of um, a guest that I had on the podcast, John Capitaneus, way back. At the time, he was a producer for ABC News, I think still maybe a freelance videographer and producer. He got out of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt and all sorts of debt very quickly. And I think in a year or less, and he said, you know, you have to get really uncomfortable, (laughs) you know, like we're talking six figures worth of debt and you have an aggressive timeline. You need to do something dramatically different, just sort of staying status quo, spending a little bit less, ain't going to cut it. Right. And it sounds like you, my friend who I'm not using your name, you moved in with your parents. That was dramatic. You upped your income. You started to really hustle and bring in more revenue, even though your traditional revenue streams, your old revenue streams had been upended. You went out there and you found new part-time jobs. That's awesome. And that's what you have to do. You know, there's no easy way to do this. And so I get it. You're exhausted because you did it the hard way, which is the right way sometimes. You know, it's not easy to get out of debt. I think in hindsight, you might look back and go, oh, that was so worth it. And I don't know what kept me right from doing that. But you did it. It was hard. And I'm going to give that to you. So congrats on, you know, getting yourself through that. You've got a little bit more left to manage. It sounds like $10,000, but I'm sure that feels like pennies compared to where you began. So here's my advice. First, breathe. Congratulate yourself. Go have a celebration if you haven't already. You know, open up a nice bottle of your favorite beverage. Doesn't have to be wine. It can be iced tea. I don't care, but enjoy it. You know, relish the moment with your husband, the two of you together. And then the thing about saving money, which... I know thinking about it all the time can be unnerving, uh, but you don't have to think about it, right? You do the thinking once, which is right now you're thinking about it. You commit to an action step and then you commit to that action step automatically so that you can move on with your life. Lean into the technology. That's how you get rid of the emotional strain is that you stop having it weigh on your conscience. And so here's what you can do. You can first decide how much you can comfortably save each month automatically. And you can start small if you want. There's no one who's going to judge you and say, oh, why aren't you doing more? Start where you're at, but start. Then you need to decide, this is step two, where you want to park that savings. You could open up a new account somewhere online. 
and that's where your emergency stash lives, or you can open up something at your existing bank or create an existing savings account and start really pumping money into that. That's the second step. Step three, schedule it. Schedule the drafts. Schedule that day per month that you want your money to go into that savings account from your checking account. Okay, that's three steps. And then step four is you just move on. (laughs) And there are apps that can get you acclimated to this. There's Digit, which we have talked about on this show. I've interviewed the CEO and it has been now five years, I believe, that Digit's been around, maybe a little bit longer. And it's an app. It connects to your checking account. It tracks your income, your spending, and the technology understands what you're really capable of, like what your savings capacity is. And every day or so, or every week, it nudges you and says, hey, how about we save $12 today? Sure. So you save the $12, but it does this enough over the course of a month. But by the end of the month, you've got hundreds saved effortlessly. So you could do something like that. We just talked about how sometimes you have to make hard moves to make big moves in your financial life. But in this case, it can be easy. Keeping your sanity can be difficult if money is constantly on your mind, especially if you're having anxious feelings about money. You know, when I was interviewing around for a financial planner 10 years ago, quick anecdote, all the planners would ask me a very good question, which was, how do you want to feel about your money? You know, and how can I help you get there? And I said, I want to get to a point where I don't really have to think about my money, at least not in the worrisome way that I do sometimes right now. I don't want to be concerned about my money. I just want to make sure that when my head touches the pillow at night, that I am putting my money to work, that I've made the right decisions and the rest is going to work out, right? That I've automated my savings. I've automated college savings. I've automated retirement savings. I've filled the insurance gaps. And, you know, you make these decisions once and then you move on. That's the advice I want to in part on you is that you make that decision once and you move on. And then it doesn't have to be this weight. Lean into the technology, commit to a small amount to save it first, make it automatic, make it periodic. And when the debt is totally out of the picture, this last $10,000, maybe that's when you save more, you up your contributions. But seriously, can we just one more time, a huge round of applause on erasing nearly all of your credit card debt in such a fast period of time that is absolutely impressive. I am so proud of you. And I hope that you don't think that me being proud of you is a condescending thing. You know, some people think that, they think, oh, don't tell me you're proud of me. That's weird. Who are you, my dad? I'm proud of you because you make me feel really good. You know, I'm going to say that it's a selfish feeling maybe, but my pride is so attached to your success. I'm so proud of all of you, all of you in the audience for showing up for this podcast, wherever you are in your financial journey, the fact that you're listening, you care. And whether I'm coming with you on your walk or you're typing or you're laying in bed or whatever you're doing, thanks. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I am proud of you. A guest told me the day that she was proud of me and I've never heard that before. You know, a guest telling the interviewer, I'm proud of you. And I took it. I was like, thanks. You know, can't hear that enough. Anyway, congratulations. Let me know how I can be a further help. If you're still stuck, you know where to reach me. Next question is from Neha, who says, hey, Farnoosh, I just finished your Skim You presentation and wanted to say a huge thank you. Yeah. So sidebar, I hosted an investing 
webinar for Skim, the Skim. Are you all familiar with the Skim? It's a daily newsletter that uh, is awesome. And it's just a great way to stay in touch with the, the news, current events, and the, the Skim co-founders have been on the podcast as guests. It's this incredible startup story. So I joined them for their inaugural Skim U uh, program, which is like their university uh, online courses. And this was all about investing. So Niha, thank you for joining. She is in her mid-20s, a consultant at a big firm and has always been both self-conscious, she says, about investing and relentlessly trying to understand all the terms and strategies. She says, I looked to your podcast and saw how many episodes you have She says, I'm looking to learn what high income women in their 20s optimize for anything from investing to renting a home to grad school, savings, et cetera. If you have any specific episodes you recommend starting with, I'm all ears. So Niha, advice for a woman who has the ability to earn a lot of money. Sounds like that's you. Congratulations. You have an incredible opportunity here to build wealth. And that, as we all know, is not just one step, right? It's multi-steps. You don't have to be doing all these steps at the same time, but it's important to think about all of the factors that go into building wealth. And as a woman, this is extremely important. I mentioned it on my presentation that night uh, last week that as women, we live longer than men. There is the pay gap, of course. We often tend to spend more for things too than men do. There is a bit of a gender tax, a pink tax is this called on everything from haircuts to mortgages, And I think I read a statistic the other day that said like 90% of women, because we have this longer lifespan than men on average, we will be taking care of ourselves at some point independently. And that can be scary if you're not on top of your money, especially if you're in a relationship and you don't know where the finances, how the finances are being managed. But you really have an opportunity here to get ahead of that and get, and it starts with saving. So make sure you have that rainy day savings account, six to nine months minimum. Then I would say invest, max out all of the tax advantage accounts that you possibly can. That's maybe the 401k at your job, a Roth IRA outside of the job, then maybe open up a brokerage account, which doesn't have you know a tax deductible benefit to it. That is uh, just a plain vanilla brokerage account where you can open up a portfolio and start investing in index funds and ETFs, low fee ideally, but you can take out that money anytime. It's really a supplement to your overall investing strategy. That's what I do. I max out my SEP IRA. I you know have a brokerage account and I have uh, other things going on for other people in my life that I want to save for, like my children's college savings, et cetera, et cetera. Then you start thinking like beyond those traditional assets like stocks. And you might think about real estate. You might think about uh, starting a business. Maybe you do want to go back to school. So starting to prioritize those things outside of those traditional investment strategies And that's really personal because some people aren't really into real estate, but some people are more into starting a business. Investing in yourself, i.e. starting a business, investing in your education, investing in experiences are all well worth it. And this is the stuff that I hear from many of my powerful female guests who come on the show. 
once they started making enough money to cover their basics, then it was about, okay, how do I accelerate my financial life? And at that point, it's not just a math question. It's a personal question. It's a personality question. I would recommend episodes like the one we just did with Leslie Zane on Wednesday. She is the founder of Triggers, the brand marketing firm. And she talked about on the show how one of the biggest mistakes she made was piling a lot of her money into one particular investment strategy, which at the time was telecommunications stocks. And that industry busted. She realized, what am I doing? I'm investing uh, into this very speculative space. Whereas the thing that I know that is a sure bet is me. I know that I'm going to be good for the money. Whatever money I give myself that I put into my business, that I put into my self-development will pay off. You know, some people will invest in a business coach to help them get further in life and career and then make more money. I was just talking to Rachel Rogers, who will be on the show in, I think, next week. She's got a book coming out called We Should All Be Millionaires. And so stay tuned for that. And she talks about how to get from six figures to seven figures. It was really about a mindset shift, but also investing in people, a team. She's like, you get you pay someone $75,000 a year to run your business or to help you run an important aspect of your business. But if that person's contribution can 3x your revenue, your top line revenue, you better believe that's a worthwhile investment. So my advice to you is first step, make sure you're optimizing all of these tax advantage investing accounts, the 401ks, the Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, et cetera, that you can. Then I would also supplement with a brokerage account because you may find that even after maxing out these portfolios that you want to do more. I'm not a stock predictor. I'm not a market predictor, but I do feel very bullish about where things are headed in the stock market. There's a lot of interesting innovation happening. The economy in some ways, although not the totality of it, but you know, the job market, um, it's picking up. There is uh, a lot of benefit to being in the market right now, across the market, and riding that for the long run. And to the extent that you can be aggressive with that, I think that's where the smart money is. I mean, we've heard from our guests, right? Dr. Hans Boateng, who's the investing tutor. He's like, the richest people in this country, what do they own? It's stocks. The most, the richest people, rich, 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 creme de la creme of this country. Yeah, they probably own real estate too. But the biggest aspect of their net worth is stocks, is the stock market. So that's worth something, right? That's that's worth looking into. And then from there, it's really personality driven. Do you want to become a landlord? Do you want to invest in real estate? There's a lot of ways to get into it. You can do a real estate investment trust, REITs. You can buy property. You can become a landlord. You could do an Airbnb. Then you could start a business, right? Which is different kind of risk, but it all kind of depends on where you're going and what your goals are. But this is a great question. I love that you're asking it. Your head's definitely in the right place. Okay, one last question from Kelsey. And she says, hey, Farnoosh, I love the podcast. It has completely transformed my financial literacy. Question for you. I have about $45,000 in a brokerage account actively managed. I put money in it over 10 years ago and I have not touched it since. It has grown a lot over the past 10 years, but I'm pretty sure the fees are decently high since it's managed by a person versus a robot. 
I have learned a lot more and I want to kick my brokerage investing into gear and I'm interested in a lower fee option, but curious if there are efficiencies keeping it all in one place. Are there reasons I should keep it all in one account so that it compounds better or should I let that money keep working and start another account with a robo advisor? All right. So Kelsey, really good question. I hear in your question that you're not thrilled with this actively managed portfolio. Your guess is probably correct that the fee is relatively high because there is a human who is managing that portfolio versus a robot or, you know, technology. And there is no difference really in who's going to do better. In fact, lots of studies find that the robo advisor track, the automated track is more cost efficient. And because it's more cost efficient, you end up making more money over time. So if you can move that money to a robo advisory, an automated platform that we've talked about on the show so many times, so many options, and it's really about where you feel most at home, so to speak, because a lot of these platforms have similar fees, similar benefits. You can go to Wealthfront, you can go to Elevast, Betterment, Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, et cetera, et cetera. Nerd Wallet has really good comparisons of all of these and you can break it down and see, you know, well, hey, maybe this one is better for me because I also get the advantage of working with a human. I like that or I don't need a human. So I'm going to go over here or I like the, frankly, it could just be the UX that you prefer at Elevast because it's very pretty uh, versus somewhere else that maybe isn't your vibe. So it's really at that point picking your flavor. But I do think that shifting, while it is a bit of like going against inertia, because it's like anything, you know, moving a bank account from one place to the next, it sounds really painstaking. It's not as hard as you think. The fact is a lot of these platforms that I just talked about, they want your business. So calling them up and having them help you walk through the steps, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to do it. Take advantage of their customer service. There are advantages to having all your accounts under one roof. Uh, The main one is that it creates this sort of streamlined experience. It's all organized. It's all there. You're not trying to remember logins to all these different places. Just to put it in practical terms, a friend of mine was about to buy a house this year and he had to show the seller that he was going to buy the house from proof of down payment money. Well... He has about nine different accounts. So he's like, I had to go home. It was a whole like several hours of getting all the forms. And it wasn't impossible. I mean, considering we live in the digital world, it took probably a fraction of the time it would have taken 20 years ago to, to, to show the evidence of these funds. But had he had just one account with all the money in it, you know, he would have been It would have been a much faster experience. And so, you know, fastness isn't everything. You know, it's not the only thing that matters, but it does help in those circumstances when you got to show proof of funds really quickly. In general, you you just want to park your money somewhere where you feel like the customer service is ace. You can have access to it 24 hours a day, not so that you can withdraw the money right away because almost everywhere you have to wait to access the money and like actually have it in your hands, but that it is also cost efficient 
and you don't need one place for all your money, but in terms of your investments, maybe one place is best. Like I keep most of my investments in one brokerage house. Then wherever you bank could be someplace else. Your credit is someplace else, but investing, it's nice to have that all on one screen. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. I hope it's so money. 